Hello, friends. Hi. (laughs) It's me, Flip. It's me, Ange. And we're back with another midweek mini-sode for Crushed and Pressed. Yay! (laughs) Welcome. These are the fun ones. They're littler. Yes. Um, We have some stories to talk about today. Stories that are extremely important. Yes. Why are they important? (laughs) Why are they important? Because today, Ange and I, you know what? We were like, let's just do it. Let's Mm -hmm. just... Let's just take a stab at all the things right here, right now. We're going to cover updates on Tamla Horsford. Um, that's that case in Georgia where a woman was found dead, badly beaten underneath the balcony and um, apparently was an accident. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, we will be covering the Tulsa Race Massacre, also known as the Greenwood Massacre or the black uh black wall street massacre and we will be covering the killing of be love a black transgender woman in south florida mm-hmm. so it's gonna be a little heavy today buckle yeah. your seat belts jump on in you know again we thought we'd we'd cover it all we've got racial <sighs> topics here we have lgbtq community here and of course we have Juneteenth coming up and we're gonna cover the race massacre. Yay. So this is your trigger warning. You've been warned. Yes. We're covering a lot of stuff today. Yes, a lot of heavy stuff today. Um yep. if you don't agree with what we have to say or you don't want to hear our story. Sorry about you. Peace out, we'll catch you on the flip side. Yeah. There's more ghosty stuff later. If yeah. you want to join in for that lighter fair, but we uh, really think you should stay, learn yeah, a little bit of something, some stuff. and hang out with us. Because I mean, come on, if you're going to have some teachers teaching about stuff, why, me and Flip are the best us? ones to come do on. it. Come on, <laughs> let us tell you the things. Okay. <laughs> Bo said he, this is a mini soap. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're covering yeah. a bit of this and that. <laughs> okay. What so, are you drinking? Uh, you, I am <laughs> water. Water. I'm lazy today. It's ice water, but it's in my Selena cup. Fancy, fancy. Fancy Selena cup. What are you drinking? I decided that I didn't want wine today, so I have a whiskey ginger. Just gonna go hard. It's probably it's probably more whiskey than it is ginger. So if I'm like drunk by the end of this episode, it'd be like that sometimes. Is that like ginger ale or like ginger the the spice? What do you ginger putting? ale? <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just picturing her with ginger root, just scraping that off into some whiskey. And I'm like, that sounds real gross. You see how full this cup is? Oh my god! Could you imagine? <laughs> we <laughs> fucked up by the end of today. You never. Know. It's been a long week. It's been a it's been a year of a month. It's been a real <laughs> crappy month. Like. <laughs> <sighs> also it's black band t-shirt day guys yeah look at us look at us go did not plan this accidental got <laughs> this a little green day a little prince over here you know it is what it is it's a good time it is what it is oh my god okay and then has anything exciting happened for you or you know dramatic whatever between sunday and now um today is wednesday 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? I was a little sad because um, my friend and I, we typically go out on Tuesdays because Tuesdays are for the girls, but she had to switch her shift around at work, so it was I'm disappointing. Sorry. But it's okay, so I just got drunk at home by myself <laughs> and, wa- and worked hey. and watched Joey play That's one of my, one of my other podcasts was talking about that. They're like, here's the thing, you don't have to go to the bar. You can stay home and get drunk. And then, worst case, you fall, no one sees you. You make it to your own bed, you throw up in your own bathroom. It's a good time. It's true. It's true. Get home. Lord. Throw up in my own um, bathroom. Sounds about right. You know if your toilet's clean or not. I'm not wow. putting my head on it, so. <laughs> Take a little nippy nap. Yeah. Um, maybe like that. My only, sometimes. my only update, we started reading um, Between the World and Me by, I don't want to butcher his first name, is it Tanisi Coates? It's this book. Huh have it on audible and it's basically him writing a letter to his son based on his black experience as a black man growing up you know through the 90s and everything Uh and so we did it's broken into three chapters it's about a three hour listen Mm -hmm. on on audible and we went through the first chapter and then um it's me and a bunch of these counselors and other people that went to any town camp with me back in high school and college and we get on google meetup and we have a book club this is my first ever book club that i've ever done and that's the first book we're reading and it was an intense, intense? ride yeah. of a chat and it's one of those where you're sitting there talking and we're like well our hour's up but I'm not done raging against the machine right. and so we just kept going <laughs> and so thank you it's nice it's a it's a good it's a good time and it's a good time for um, us dumb white folks to get together and go hi we're learning about some black experience here from someone that really knows some shit and we should have maybe have read this beforehand you know at some point in our lives this should have been mandatory reading Dumb, so. dumb white folks. That's that's. Yeah. Ange went there today. So, yep. That's where I'm at. You know what? Never be unteachable. Right. Always be receptive to learning. You're exactly. always teachable. Always. Hi, Good. Trevor. Hurrah. <laughs> okay. So, do you want me to start with one of these, and then you'll go to you? Go on ahead. Y'all, I'm going to start with the one that I find the most fascinating and a little less sad than the other one. They're both very upsetting. So, I'm going to go with. The Tamla Horsford story. Okay, let's do it. So, guys, you have seen some some form of this somewhere on your social media. It has to have been. It can't just be me. There's a picture of a group of white ladies, and they're all, like, moms, clearly in their 40s, sitting on this big sectional couch, and there is one black lady in the middle of this group of white ladies. Mm-hmm. They were having an adult sleepover. Most of these women are moms, and they were just having some drinks, having a sleepover, and then in the morning... Tamla's body was found out in the backyard and there were 911 calls made and people said that she just fell off the balcony. She'd been drinking a lot and, you know, they'd smoked a little, you know, marijuana and she just fell off the balcony and died. But there's a lot more to it. So let me read you some shit that I found. So, yeah. Um, protests and petitions in the midst of a resurging movement for law enforcement to re-examine what some are calling injustice have led to the GBI Georgia Bureau investigation reopening an investigation into the death of a mother of five Uh, this was first reported on the suspicious death of Tamla Horsford in November of 2018 so this is like a year and a half later that they're Mm -hmm. finally reopening this case um, she was found dead after an, an adult slumber party. They always put it in quotes, and I'm like, it just was an adult slumber it's party. It's just a slumber party. <laughs> like, I don't, uh-huh. Why does it have to be an adult slumber party? 
they make it sound so dirty like it was good sexy mm. time no they were just hanging out um with seven other local mothers and investigators concluded that she accidentally fell off of a house balcony while intoxicated which killed her but her friends and family have always disputed these results and so she was found in the backyard of a home in Forsyth County, Georgia at 9 a.m. on November 4th, 2018. The coroner's death certificate listed her death as an accident, and the report said it was due to a fall from a deck that caused multiple blunt force injuries and acute ethanol intoxication. And those were the... And now that the, deck wasn't super high up. It was, what, 17 feet? Yes, it was not quite 20 feet. So how do you get multiple blunt force trauma to the because face of that? To, to the face. Right. Like Yes. So the family went ahead and hired another medical examiner who found extensive injuries all over her body. It was not just from a fall. And he said it is impossible to get the injuries that she had from one fall. Um, her best friend, Michelle Graves, also said that something was awry with the story and with how she lost her life. And so the county sheriff's office announced last February that they were closing the case because investigators found no evidence of foul play. Since then, a petition to reopen the investigation has amassed more than 500,000 signatures. I'm one of them. Amen. Because <laughs> I'm signing petitions fucking left, left and, and right, right, you right your now. Petition? Yeah, you give it to me and I'm going to sign it. Yep. Unless it's I'm some, signing. like, white power privilege bullshit. Then I'm not signing your privilege. <laughs> like, yes, I don't want to sign your dumb crap. But if you want me to protect that beautiful drive out in whatever Florida, I'll sign that petition. If you want me to sign for this, I'll sign it for that petition. There was somebody today was like, save the TV show that I love. I'll sign that I'll petition. Sign it. I've never seen that show. <laughs> Bo said this is the less sad story. Yes. I didn't say Can it was going to be imagine? a happy episode, dude. Like I no, said, buck- heavy. <laughs> buckle up. Okay, so in a letter to the family, the Horsford family, obtained by this news station, um, attorney Ralph Fernandez, so he's the family's attorney, said that his office has done an exhaustive review of the case and believes that she was killed. Period. It appears that Tamla was involved in a struggle, and there were abrasions consistent with that scenario. There were parallel scratches to one arm, and since they were... Because you don't get scratches on your arm from fucking falling off a balcony. Um, Since they were fresh... Photos would not have proven recent use of defensive force. There was one x-ray, yet the injury noted as the cause of death appears nowhere. And that's the thing. There were not pictures taken at the crime scene. And clearly someone had tampered with the crime scene before the cops got there. But this is the part that fucks me up the most. So the party was held at the house of a woman whose boyfriend, Jose Barrera, Mm -hmm. reportedly found Horsford dead face down. Barrera called the police to report her death. And you can now hear that 911 call. It's out there. And I listened to it. Oh, good. Yeah. And the other one from another woman who called as well. I I listened. So this guy who, you know, found her the boyfriend of, he works for local courts. And he was fired for accessing documents related to the case. That sounds like some shit was trying to get covered up. up. That's fucked up. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. Um, Witness statements are in conflict. And a potential subject handled the body as well as the evidence prior to law enforcement arriving. Evidence was disposed of and no inquiry was followed. Um, And the scene was not preserved. A remarkable fact is that there were no photographs taken during the autopsy of her body. Why? What? Okay, so this had to have been done at someone's directive because such a practice is unheard of. 
Yeah. N- unless, you know, it's the Kurt Cobain case, but. <laughs> I mean, there's that whole thing. <laughs> so Forsyth County, one of Georgia's 10 most populous counties, is an area known for its tense racial history. In 1912, county leaders forced all of its black residents out of the area. And author Patrick Phillips, who moved to Forsyth County as a child in the late 70s, said he noticed KKK rallies in the area. Um, robed members have been seen there as recently as in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And in 1987, in the midst of civil rights demonstrations, Oprah Winfrey hosted a program spotlighting the county's yep. racial conflict. Like, guys, guys. The county made headlines again in October in 2016 when an elementary school staffer called Michelle Obama a gorilla on Facebook. Mm-hmm. This is a classy place. Don't, well, don't, there was actually just live in Georgia. Just some videos that came out of a lady who moved into a neighborhood there, and, and the house is down. Like, I don't know if you've ever been out to the Mondex, but they have like like dirt roads, and there might be like two houses on this dirt road, but it's its own like separate like shoot off road from the main one. Um, her house is there, and then there's another like neighbor that you'd go down the shoot off road and their house is like behind hers technically. Um, and her neighbors will walk by her house, same, same community. Her neighbors will walk by her house and they'll yell racial slurs at her. The old lady will tell her like the the woman will stand out on her like front deck and the old lady next door will like bring out her like dogs and like try to get her dogs to like run up in the yard and bite her. They spray paint X's all over her front yard um, they put up like a like a KKK propaganda sign like on the tree right across from her house. Like it is a shitty, wow. shitty place to be. Like that's right. But flip, but flip, racism's gone. We got rid of it with Martin Luther King. There's no racism anymore. That's right. You're right. Just Ange. so y'all know, I forgot. <laughs> that's what I heard from family members on Facebook. You're right, Andrew. It got taken care of. Yeah. Okay. So um, on. Friday. I don't know if that was this recently Friday or whatever. Um, the This news station obtained a letter from Forsyth County Sheriff Ron Freeman and the letter states that there are renewed requests for re-examination are best served by an independent law enforcement agency to review previous findings and to search and act on new evidence which may come to light. Mm-hmm. So they have reopened it and we are yeah. going to actually look into this. Um... Freeman told Reynolds that the sheriff's office would assist in any way possible, and GBI agents will have complete access to the case file, um, offices, and deputies, as well as Freeman's full cooperation. And the GBI says that they will open an investigation based on Freeman's request. So, sign petitions because shit gets done. Yeah. Hmm. My only problem is... Uh, so it's being handled by GBI and I have heard of dealings with GBI in other different cases yeah. through other podcasts and shit. Y'all, Georgia is a crazy state to live in. I would never want to live in Georgia or in Baltimore, Maryland based on the crime shit and the cover-ups and the tiny town everybody knows everybody, people covering up for so-and-so's nephew, that kind of shit that goes on there. So for me, like I'm glad they're reopening it. I sure wish it was somebody else not the GBI handling this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess we'll see what happens. Uh-huh. And we'll keep you guys We'll definitely keep you updated. Any information we get. Um, any Wednesdays that we don't have anything, like, significant planned out, like there's not a box coming or something like that, we'll, we'll be sure to do these. Oh, 
<laughs> we'll be sure to do these little updates here and there so you guys can get some more information on these cases. Yeah, and like with this one, guys, just go uh, Google Tamla Horsford. It's T-A-M-L-A, Tamla. And there are so many pictures mm-hmm. um, of there's crime scene photos out there without her body in them. But it's like, here's the yard. Here's where the tags were. Here's how high the porch was. And you're going, someone died from that fault. Like, what? Right. And then when you hear about all the other stuff, her, the autopsy report is out there for you to look at. The 911 calls are out there if you want to hear them. Pictures of these people. And of course, the homeowners that... Um, where this happened have been receiving all sorts of threats from the of public course. over Facebook and their attorney is like everybody needs to leave them alone and it's like yeah or or y'all could just give evidence and, and like let us know what the hell happened if there was a fight just own up to it if it was an accidental like there was a fight it got too heated she was drunk and fell off just tell somebody just that say it. because right now it looks like you guys murdered her as a group like right. that's to me it seems fishy as you fuck. took this one lone black mom on your son's football whatever they are football moms sports moms whatever she was mm-hmm. the only black mom he was the she's was a mother of like what five kids. five kids yeah and her son happened to be the only black child on this team yeah yeah oh. yep. and i mean it's not like that area is not by any means oh um, hey, if you're in my area, we're under severe thunderstorm watch. <laughs> just got the update. So just so you guys know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that area is not like... In movies, you would see it being referred to as like the white people neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They're predominantly upper middle class type people. So, just seems a little suspect. Now, a little little suspicious. It's real creepy knowing what happened later at that party when you see the picture of all these women sitting on the couch. Because it's it's she sticks out like a sore thumb. It's just her right in the middle. In the middle. And the rest of them are all on the side of her or sitting down in front of her. I know. Um, So yeah, that that's my first one. That's my last sad story. That's yeah. That's the least sad one. That's your teaser. Let's get progressively sadder. Tell us. Tell us what you researched. Okay. So, as I said, today I am going to be covering... Oh, let me get my thing up. The Tulsa Race Massacre, which is also known as the Tulsa Race Riot or the Greenwood, Greenwood Massacre or the Black Wall Street Massacre. Um, mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know where Tulsa is, it is in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's where Hanson's from. <sighs> I've been there. I stood in an elevator that they stood in. So this situation is kind of really like a wild situation that happens here. Um, in 1921, Oklahoma basically had this crazy politically racially socially tense area um the first world war was over and then they had the servicemen coming back but of course in tulsa at this time like the civil war is thick they're still sore over that situation um I'm don't I'm not I'm not going to get myself started there. So <laughs> um they're still sore about the Civil War from ending in 60 
or yeah, ending in 1865. If I said 65, I realized that people might be like, what? <laughs> ending in 1865. <laughs> um, and at this point, like civil rights are still kind of like civil rights for, for people of color at this time are still disenfranchised. Um, the KKK was having this crazy resurgent movement at the time. Um, and Tulsa was this big booming oil city, which supported a large number of affluent, educated and professional people of color, specifically African-Americans, black people. Um, of course, now at this time, that whole like combination of things in that area is just kind of like charging this racial tension that's in this area. Um, now, in northern Oklahoma, you have your settlements for all of your Native Americans. And then in the southeast, you have some people who owned slaves. And then other areas had settlers from the south. And those people were um, slave owners before and, and you know, during the Civil War. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, oh, that's interesting we'll talk about that after we're done i guess sorry i just got mm-hmm. i just got a notification about something twitter keeps hey. me up to date y'all <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i need to start google alerts for some of this stuff um so at that time we have the state passing their jim crow laws if you guys don't know what jim crow laws are crack open the history book that's all i gotta say about that <laughs> like, yeah that's that one like okay this case specifically that you're talking about this whole situation never taught to me in school jim crow laws taught to me in school but this is one where i learned about it reading or listening to an audio book that's yep. a young adult fiction and then other people yeah. through yeah, i'm sure you'll get into that but yeah um so basically all of these rules here you know, segregate your rail travel um, has like voter regi- voter legislature for segregation. Um, they were barred from serving on juries. They were barred from holding any kind of local office. Um, and of course, like that kind of change doesn't come until 65. 1965. <laughs> 40 years later. Right. This is bonkers. Um, so in that time frame, it's like lynching is pretty common uh, because they want to continue to assert white supremacy in the area. And in that time frame before and during the massacre, there were 31 black people who were or 31 people who were lynched in Oklahoma. 26 of them were black and mostly all of them were boys or men. And then real quick to clarify, lynching is not someone being hanged from a tree alone it's when you're killed by a mob of people yeah or a group of people that hunt you down and kill you and that's what happened recently with uh what's his name that was out jogging and that's why that's classified as a lynching because it was yes you know a group of people that stormed you and killed you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so in 1916 tulsa passes a law an ordinance that mandates that residential segregation um basically saying that blacks and whites cannot be on the same block um it says that like you can't be on the same block three-fourths 
of the three fourths of the neighborhood is predominantly one race. So if three fourths of your neighborhood is predominantly white, then black people cannot live there. If three fourths of the neighborhood is predominantly black, then white people cannot live there. Um, yeah. (laughs) And of course, you know, that's gets signed in by the the constitution that you can't fucking do that. (laughs) Or the, um, it's, it's ruled as unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. Like, hey, you can't you can't fucking separate people like that. <laughs> um, not- now, of course, you have your veterans who are coming back from World War One, who are trying to get back into the labor market. Yes, yes. Okay, um, you have people coming back from World War One trying to get into the labor market, and now at this time you have pretty high. Why are you doing that? At this point. <sighs> this point you have pretty high sorry joey is interrupting me right now <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um at this point can i have that back please at this point you have pretty high like levels of competition for job market and things like that um again at that point you've got the kkk coming back out and at this point at 1921 out of the 72,000 people who lived there, 3,200 of them were all KKK members. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. So Greenwood is a district in Tulsa that was organized by Booker T. Washington. Um, And in that area, Greenwood became prosperous, and and a lot of black people who were living in that area, again, they were wealthy, they were educated, they created an area that was known as the Negro Wall Street. Um, All of their businesses were held, all of their businesses were there, all of their services were there, they had grocery stores, they had newspapers, uh, movie theaters, nightclubs, churches, doctors, dentists, lawyers, clergy, all of these people set up Joey's get out of here i'm trying to learn (laughs) um yeah all of these people are out here in this one area setting up their businesses because again at that point they couldn't have blacks and whites going to the same people they were segregated and unfortunately a lot of the times black people were if they went to a doctor or a dentist they were given shittier treatment they weren't yeah. and, and doctors when they had like life threatening issues at this point to the doctors it was like just let them fucking die it doesn't matter um so they created their own area where their people could get treatment yep um and now of course this is pissing off the white people <laughs> like white people are like yeah. no fuck that because God forbid they thrive and have a better setup than you do right and like, you've got to remember at this point with all of these servicemen coming back, there are no jobs in the areas. Hey, let's open up a new business. Hey, well, over there in Greenwood, we can't set up anything because they're predominantly black over there. So Monday, May 30th, 1921. That was Memorial Day. Um, this, that bias still exists to a lesser extent. That is true, Brittany. Yes, and that's, I was going to throw it out there, but um, I was going to say, black women die in childbirth in American hospitals more than I think anybody else, mm-hmm. right? And it's just, 
it's terrifying and that should still happen. Right. So um, it's alleged that 4 p.m. on Memorial Day, again, May 30th, 1921, 19-year-old Dick Rowland, who is a black shoe shiner who worked uh, at the Black Wall Street area, um, the name of the company was Main Street Shine Parlor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he enters an elevator in a building, um, what is it, 319 South Main Street, so that he can use the restroom that's restricted to black people on the top floor. That is the only restroom that black people can use in that area. So while he's in the elevator, he encounters Sarah Page, who is a 17-year-old white elevator operator who is on duty. Whoa, what happened there? Barely even lesser extent, just more quieted. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a white elevator operator who is in that area. And it seemed like the two kind of knew each other. Like, if I guess on his way to work, he would often go to use that bathroom. Um, so a clerk at the store on the first floor heard what they thought was somebody screaming and saw him saw another black man leaving the building Mm -hmm. Um, when the clerk went into the elevator he saw her and she was in distress or what appeared to be her being in distress and basically they assumed that he'd assaulted her now in 2001 there's a final report that comes out about this where they stated that it was pretty unusual that both of them would be working mm-hmm. on the same day on, on Memorial Day um, because most of the businesses were closed. So they think that he might have been in the elevator and just like accidentally like tripped or or, you know, like bumped her on the way out and she overreacted. That's what I've read, too, was yeah. that it, there may have been an accidental encounter. She freaked out. Yeah. Um, so they have this really short investigation. They question her, and there's no written account, no written statement, nothing. Uh, and the police basically just determined that it was an assault. Like, he purposely assaulted her. Mm-hmm. Um. They also did this, like, low-key investigation for the alleged assailant, and she was like, I'm not going to press charges. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, But, of course, regardless of whether or not that actually happened, because of the time frame that we're in, Dick Rowland is fucking terrified. Um, He's, like... To be in that time period and have that level of an accusation come at you, he knows that he is now at risk for mobs of angry white people to come after him. Yeah. Um, he and his mom, eventually, he, he eventually fled to his mom's house in Greenwood. Mm-hmm. So on June 3rd, oh, hello, we have a new follower. Hello, new follower. Hi, welcome. <laughs> so on June 3rd, um, the Morning Tulsa Daily World reported, new here, what's the general topic? Sean, for the f- forum. 
So, Sean, today um, we are covering three separate stories. We're covering uh, Tamala Horsford, the Tulsa Race Massacre, and the killing of B. Love. Um, so, of course, the first one is a case from Georgia, which is a part, uh, which is basically a known like racist area. Um, mm-hmm. Tulsa race riots. Thanks. Oh yeah, you can. Um, the Tulsa race riots. Like I said, uh, this that's the topic we're on right now. Um, mm-hmm. Is about an area, Black Wall Street, in Green or known as Greenwood, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Again, we're in a pretty predominantly white area a lot of kkk members but blacks in that area have set up their own district to become prosperous and set up all of their businesses and and they've got lawyers doctors dentists business owners all kinds of stuff set up in that area and then the last case that we're going to cover is on be love um she was a transgender black woman who was murdered in south florida Mm-hmm. so that's where we're at yeah so that's we're where we're at right of... now just our topic and generally we we cover murders spooky shit stuff like that typically <laughs> and today's our mini version of yes. that where we have a little bit of everything yeah uh, but like this last season we just got done doing the 21 uh, yeah 27 20, 27 club, club. and oh. then the season before so. that was all unsolved cases yeah, so welcome. Welcome for joining us. Yes, and feel free to chit-chat. I see. Uh, to get a grass here. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you guys, in the comments, like, ask us questions, whatever. If we have answers, we will 100% give them to you, or just feel free to chit-chat with each other back and forth about topics. <laughs> yeah, and if we don't have answers, we'll tell you we don't have answers. Right. <laughs> but I will Google it for you <laughs> if I don't have the answer. Um, so, okay, the, so he ran to his mom's house. Yeah, he ran to his mom's house. So June 3rd, um, the morning Tulsa Daily World reported major points of their interview with Deputy Sheriff Barney Cleaver, who was basically concerned about these events that are leading up to the Tulsa riot. Um, he was the deputy sheriff for Oak. I don't know how to say this. O-K-M-U-L-G-E-E? Nope. Yeah. just Okay. So he's the deputy sheriff in this area. He is not under the supervision of city police at this time. And basically, his duty is just to maintain order and enforce law with colored people in Greenwood. Um, He also operates his own business as a private investigator. So he had previously been dismissed as the city police investigator because he assisted county officers with a drug raid at a hotel but did not report that he was actually involved um of course at this point he has a significant loss to his financial he says that the land in there has a significant loss due to um all of the damage that's done um he says that a lot of the residents' properties and all of this stuff has basically just been used as a gathering that's been used as a gathering place is just completely destroyed. Um, he says that he's evicting tons of armed criminals who are barricading themselves inside of these properties. And instead of leaving town, they all just moved into the meeting hall. Um, and 
people are offering to like build these people new homes yeah because they're just evicting them from this area um he also said that will robinson who was a dope peddler and all around bad negro um was the leader of this armed blacks gang um who basically started this riot and he lists off a group of people who he assumes have started this riot so on may 31st of 1921 the morning after the incident with dick in the the elevator with sarah um a newspaper article is put out that says nab negro for attacking girl in an elevator so calling for a lynching right um detective carmichael and henry c pack who was a black patrolman who was located on greenwood avenue they detain him and pack is basically one of the only two black officers on the police force at that time, there were 45 officers. Um, Dick Rowland is taken to this Tulsa City Jail at first in Maine. And then the police commissioner says that he received an anonymous telephone call which threatened Dick Rowland's life. He ordered Rowland to be transferred to another jail on the top floor of the Tulsa County Courthouse. Rowland was really well known among the attorneys in that area. Of course, he shines everybody's shoes. So <laughs> he's really well known in that area. And witnesses later recounted hearing several attorneys defend Roland, saying that he didn't actually do anything to this. And one of the men said, why, I know that boy. I've known him a good while. And that's not him. Mm. But, of course, the Tulsa Tribune and uh, the Tulsa World I'm sorry, the Tulsa Tribune, which is one of the white owned newspapers in Tulsa, says, breaks that headline, nab the Negro for attacking the girl in the elevator. Um, according to some witnesses, the same edition of the Tribune also included an editorial warning that they were actually going to lynch him. And the title of the editorial was to lynch a Negro tonight. Jesus, can y'all imagine can you imagine, like, here's the thing. That shit happens through Facebook now. Like, you would see little, you know, you have to be in a private group of whatever, and they cause their mayhem and shit. But that was on the newspaper. Right. It's in the newspaper. Fuck. Um, But people at this point are saying that the newspaper is totally sensationalist, and they just write all kinds of outrageous shit in the newspaper. But people are fucking reading that. And yeah. apparently all original copies of the newspaper have been destroyed. Like, there's no actual copy of that newspaper anywhere. Holy shit. I don't know if I believe that. But, um, <laughs> and then there are relevant pages, because, you know, like, they do the thing in the libraries. I don't know. I don't. We probably don't do that now. But at, at a time frame, they would keep, they would, hi, Lane. They would take. The cards? Yeah, no, not the cards. They would, like, take okay. photographs of the like newspapers what is that microfiche sure Where they have it on the little roll and you can yeah pull they have it on a little roll and you can pull it up and you can put it in the thing and blow it up yeah. so microfiche. all of that all of that microfiche is missing 
And they no. said that the article where it was mentioned that the only two articles that are missing are the articles with the headline that says nab the Negro for attacking the girl in the elevator and the to lynch a Negro tonight. Those are the only two articles that are missing. The rest of the newspaper. The rest of the newspaper is in there. That's some fucked up shit. Shit is wild. <laughs> like, um, about erasing history. <laughs> so the Tulsa Race Riot Commission in 97 offered a reward for original copies of that newspaper. Um, and other newspapers of the time, like the Black Dispatch or the Tulsa World, they said like no, that never happened. They never made any editorials. Hi, Uncle Stanley. They never made hello, hello. any mention of that editorial. So basically, the content of the column and whether it ever existed is widely disputed among their community. Mm. Mm. Said it never Mm. happened. Wow. So the afternoon edition of the Tribune hits the streets at 3 p.m. And at this point, everybody in town hears about this lynching. Mm -hmm. By 4 p.m., local authorities are on high alert. And residents start congregating, white residents start congregating by the courthouse. Sunset is at 7.34 p.m. And several hundred white residents gather outside of the courthouse. And they make their lynch mob. What in the tequila mockingbird is happening? Thank you. (laughs) So Willard M. McCullough, the newly elected sheriff of Tulsa County, he's like, absolutely not. We are not having any lynchings outside of this fucking courthouse. (laughs) Get the hell away. Go away. Um, Because apparently in 1920, there was a lynching of a white murder suspect in Tulsa, um, which had happened during the term of his predecessor. So he was like, absolutely not. Um, He made sure that Roland was going to be safe. He had deputies organize a defensive formation around Roland, who was terrified that these people are going to kill him. Um, and then again, in 2001, there's a commission report that comes out that Roland was taken to the county jail before the crowd started to gather. And that's the sheriff had positioned six men with armed rifles and shotguns around the roof of the courthouse pointed at the crowd. Oh, wow. And then he disabled all of the elevators in the building and other men barricaded themselves at the stairs to stop people from going up and down the stairs. And they were ordered to shoot on sight. Oh, my God. That's how bad he was like, Mm -hmm. absolutely not. No lynching in my town. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So at 8.20 p.m., um, three white men enter the courthouse demanding that Roland be turned over to the crowd. Although they were vastly outnumbered by the crowd outside on the street, the sheriff turns them away and he's like, no. So a few blocks away on Greenwood Avenue, members of the black community begin gathering to discuss what's going on. Um, they said that based on the lynching in 1920 of the white man who was the murder suspect, they are terrified that Roland is going to die. Um, 
but they at this point have no idea what they're going to do. So they have World War veterans in that area who are prepared for a battle and begin collecting guns and ammunition. Now you've got to remember that World War One, they did, ha- they had a lot of these black males serving on the front lines. Yeah. So these men who have been battered and and emotionally destroyed are now mm-hmm. coming back with their. PTSD. What the fuck did they think was this was the crucifixion? They really uh, thought they were going to murder this man in the street, y'all. Like <laughs> that's nuts. That's nuts. Um, vigilante bullshit. So then they have older, prosperous men in the community who are like, "No, this confrontation is going to destroy our neighborhood. We can't do it. We can't confront anybody." Um. There was also a statement that was given to the grand jury that stated that one of the men tried to convince everybody in the town that there wasn't going to be any lynching whatsoever. And then Sheriff McCullough contacts them and tells them that their presence is now needed. Okay. So now, again... You've got this white mob that forms out front of the courthouse. You've got a group of black people in on Greenwood Avenue who have now joined together at their meeting center. And they're like, what do we do? Half of them are saying, no, let's not do anything about it. And the other half are like, absolutely not. He's going to get lynched. Let's get our ammunition. Let's get our weapons and let's go. Yeah. Jesus. At nine o'clock. The sheriff says, yeah, PM, the sheriff says, hey, to this black community, hey, we need you. So at 930 PM, a group of 60 black men armed with rifles and shotguns arrives at the jail to help support the sheriff and his deputies. Yeah. And keep people away. Now you got to remember that this is a white neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. No one's going to. And a white sheriff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And there are 10 witnesses who say that they were following the sheriff's orders. And now the sheriff in front of a grand jury is like, I didn't order them to do shit. Mm. Mm -mm. Yeah. And there's actually mm-hmm. a witness statement that says, I saw a car full of Negroes driving through the streets with guns. I saw Bill McCullough and I told him those Negroes would try to cause trouble. He tried to talk to them, but then they got out and stood in single file. Um, another man was killed near Boulder and Walsh, or Boulder and 6th Street. And they were under the impression that the man with the authority could have stopped them and disarmed them. I saw the chief of police on the south side of the court house on the top step talking i did not see any officers except for the chief i walked into the courthouse and met mccullough about 15 feet in the door and i told him that those negroes are going to start trouble and he said oh i told them to go home he went out and told the whites to go home and then said they said you told them to come up here and mccullough said i did not and any negro that tells you i did is lying Jesus. So now seeing these 60 black men and women with guns, 
the more than 1,000 yeah. white people who were at the courthouse went home and got their guns. Yeah. Um, others headed for the National Guard Armory to get weapons. Oh, um, shit, that's, mm-hmm, that's that right. is the that. wildest part, that they went to the armory. They went to go rob the armory to, to get go guns. get weapons. Jeez. There are a thousand of you. There are 60 of them. Yeah. Um, the armory basically had a really, like, a supply of small arms and, and small ammunition. And James Bell of the 118th Infantry Regiment had already learned of the mounting situation. We got some angry faces and another follower. Oh, Bo shared us. Thanks, Bo. <laughs> Thanks, um, he had already learned of the mounting situation downtown, the possibility of break-in, and he's taking measures to prevent these mobs of people from breaking into the national <laughs> the armory yeah um he called commanders of three national guard units in tulsa who all ordered their guard members to put on their uniforms and report to the armory and when the group of whites arrived and began pulling at the grating over the windows bell went outside to confront the crowd of 300 men he told them that the guard members inside were armed and prepared to shoot anyone who tried to enter. And after this show of force, the crowd withdrew from the armory. Yeah. Fuck off. Those aren't your guns. Like, like what is happening here? <laughs> like, what a night. Jesus. Can you imagine? No. So then at the courthouse, the crowd is now 2,000 people. And most of them are armed. Ugh. There are church leaders who are out there who are like, hey, fucking go away. <laughs> yes. Um, the chief of police police is like, no, go home. Please leave. And the black people on Greenwood Avenue are like seriously concerned at this point. And now another small group of black men ventures towards the courthouse. And they basically said that they were just ready to to like take action to defend this man now the white people are like "Uh uh-uh this is a negro uprising and white people start just shooting their they're firing their guns off into the air good lord and it starts off as like one or two but now everybody is just firing their guns off into the air now now you've got to think about this yeah. There are 2,000 white people in that crowd. Yep. Armed. Armed. And just shooting their weapons up into the air. 2,000 people are just firing guns. Lord. Nope. Now, these gunshots triggers, immediately triggers people in the crowd. And the white people in the crowd are thinking that it's the black people shooting at them. So now they're firing at the black people who they claim the black people fired at them first. Well, Han shot first. Right. (laughs) So now we're in the middle of what they're calling a battle. And it lasted a few seconds, but 10 white people and two black people were dead on the street at that point. Then 
a group of black people they're like the group of black people that are there they're like no fuck this and they leave they go back to greenwood um but on the way they stop to get ammunition and they're gonna get it by any means they loot stores they destroy the area they need their weapons and their ammunition um there were people who were leaving movie theaters who were freaking out. They're, get, they're getting caught off guard by this mob of people that is coming. Of these 2,000 at this point, what percentage is still Negro? What percentage is white? So there was a black man who is accused of assaulting a white woman. He never actually assaulted her, and the police never actually did a whole like investigation into this basically they just arrest him and take him in and all of the attorneys are like no he's innocent he never did this and the sheriff is like okay but here's the issue the newspaper our newspaper has already published an article that they're gonna lynch and kill this man so we need to just hold on to him so what starts out as a crowd of like 100 white people turns into a crowd of 2,000 white people and 60 black people. Armed black men that were previous. Yes, armed black men that were military. all previous military. And that's your numbers. There's the a, just a mix of white people. Just Some of them are just townspeople. Some of them were ex-military. It's wild. But along that way, some uh, because they see, but what side of the mob, what clout did each side have? Uh, yeah, 60 of them were still Negro. So at this point, the, there are white people in the crowd who are claiming that the Negroes are having an uprising because there's 60 of them that are definitely there and armed. But sometimes people will drive up in cars to see what's going on because they're determined to protect this member of their community. And for whatever reason, one of the white gentlemen in the crowd, he fires off his gun. And then in solidarity, other white people fire off their guns. But now it's triggering people because now people are thinking that the Negroes in their community are shooting at the white people. So now there's bullets flying back and forth on both sides. Well, I think he's asking too, clout-wise, um, there was a huge uh, KKK population yeah. there at the time. And then you have former military from uh, World War One on War both sides. Yeah, on both sides. Um, so you have, you know, some previous military, but a lot of townspeople, period, right. that um, were just in the area and heard the newspaper right. and, and were there to watch. Yeah. Sean, I don't know if you were in here when we said that the, the town, there's they said there was about 76,000 people in the area at this time. And out of that 76,000 people, 3,200 3, of them were KKK members, were known clans members. Known, yeah. And then plus you had their families. Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. How many white people don't want to lynch this guy? Not much, as oh, I yeah. imagine. They really don't say it's the so the sheriff right. is there and all of the church leaders are there. Um, and I think they said that at that time they were mainly Protestant. So all of the church members are all of the church leaders are there from their community. The sheriff, the chief of police, all of the sheriff's deputies have been told. We are we are protecting this man. There's only 45. Yeah, there's only 45 members of the police department at this point. 
Lord. There's 45 police officers. And they're all barricading the stairs, barricading the building. They have six men with weapons drawn up on top of the building. Um, and the sheriff or the, the sheriff's deputy is like, no, we're protecting this man's life. And the sheriff is like, yeah, we're protecting this man's life. We can't let this get out of hand. This got out of hand last year when they lynched somebody else. A white guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This so got out of hand when they lynched they- a white guy. This is like... Right, exactly. Yes, there were not enough people at this point. No, no, and that's the thing. Really, it's just one of those, you're in a, it's a small town mentality in the city. Right. Trying to protect a guy before he even goes to trial. And people saying, well, you know what, let's just do a lynching first. What? Okay, so hold on. So now we're at the point where you got this big, big mob of white, little mob of black. People are killed. Yeah, 10 people are killed. And they take off to go back to their town. And they take, the, the black people take off to go back to Greenwood. Um, and they're like, and they're like, no, no, let's just, let's just go back. People are dying. (laughs) It's not worth it. Um, but like they said on their way, they stop and they loot a couple of stores for ammunition because they know shit is about to hit the fan. Yeah. Cause you've now left a battle. They're going to follow you. Right. So now panic sets in. As white people are just firing their weapons at any black person they see in the crowd. And there were people there for like, because, yeah, it was a holiday, but there were people working. Right. And traveling to and from and trying to right. get home. Right. And that's a lot of the accounts that I've read in different stuff. It's personal accounts of family members, like people that, you know, worked with white families trying to or go We're just back trying to into... go home at this point. Yeah, there was one in the book I read. Um, she worked for a white family and lived on their property. So she went back into town to grab her son and his yep. three children and bring them back to this white person's house to live you know and be yeah. protected so she's having to travel back and forth yep. well that's just people and, out in the street yeah and point. now at this point this white this mob of white people they don't give a shit about who has ammunition who has guns who has whatever they're just firing at any black person they see on the street now because there are 10 white people that are dead yeah um the white mob also shot and killed members of their own mob. Yeah. Because they were just firing bullets at whoever was around them. Yeah. So they actually, and they they noted at least one white man who was shot and killed by members of his own mob. It's not an organized battle. No, at this point, they're just (laughs) like, I'm just pulling my trigger on whoever walks by me. Because they're like, I heard a gunshot over there. I'm going to turn that way. Boom, fire my gun because I'm not getting shot. And you just shoot some random person. Lord. At 11 p.m., the National Guard starts to assemble at the armory. And they're like, hey, we need a plan. <laughs> they're yeah. like, hey, sh- shit's hitting the fan right now. And they're like, how are we going to subdue all of these rioters? So they send groups downtown to set up guard at the courthouse the police station Mm -hmm. and other public areas and then members of the american legion join in on patrol um the forces however seemed to be deployed to this is what civil war ii in america like thank you exactly so the forces however seem to be deployed not to base not to like just shut this situation down, but to protect the white neighborhoods. Right. 
So the National Guard is then like, hey, listen, I need all of these black people to just come with me. We're just going to take you over here and we're going to put you in detention. So they just detain any black person they see on the streets and they're like, we have to just get all the white people out. Yeah. Make it stop. Right. So now you have prominent white Tolsons who are participating in this riot and one of them is the founder of the KKK in this area. Um, and he participates in this riot as a night watchman. Um, he, in 1917, had participated in the tarring and feathering of a group of black men. Jesus. Right. When? What year? 1917. So no, that's not that long ago. Three years before this situation happened. Tarring and feathering to me is a medieval concept. Like, that's not something you do. I just don't understand like, that at all. That's medieval times. That's what you did to right. witches. Like, what the fuck? Um, and there's articles from that time frame that said that, that stated that police delivered and convicted men delivered the convicted men into the custody of black robed Knights of Liberty. Um, they said that the circumstantial evidence was sufficient to prevent any of them from wanting to give anyone any trouble with lawsuits. Uh, that's our main concern. Yes. Um, that like this, I just don't really understand. Mm-mm. So then at midnight, the white rioters again, despite the National Guard telling them to get the fuck out of there, they go back to the courthouse. But now they're a smaller group of white rioters and they're really organized and they know exactly what they're going in to do. They are 100% in, in support of lynching this man and they are attempting to storm the building the sheriff with his 45 deputies i know he manages to turn them away and send them home i don't know how he did that with 45 people but the longest night ever you go sheriff yeah so then we get to june 1st of 1921 in the early morning hours groups of armed whites and blacks met in the street and just squ- just squared off and just started having gunfights left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, the fighting is concentrated on the, f- the Frisco tracks, which was the dividing line between the white and black communities in the area. Um, there was also a rumor that circulated amongst the white community that more blacks were going to come by train to help the Negroes in town uh, invade all of Tulsa. You know, like, like they're just trying to stop like, somebody from getting lynched, and like they're like the black people are coming to take over. <laughs> like yeah. that's not what's yeah. happening. <laughs> like, you hear that shit now with people saying, "Yeah, they're going to bust them in. They're going to bring in all these people to cause ruckus." Right. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like it's the I, same mentality. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Y'all haven't learned. It just blows my mind. Go ahead. So. 
all of the passengers on the next incoming train were forced to lay on the floors of the train cars to avoid getting shot. Oh, no. And the train is now taking hits. Bullets are coming in and out of the train from both sides. There are people just laying on the floor to avoid gunfire. Then at 1 a.m., the white mob starts setting everything on fire. Yeah. Um, They are burning businesses. They are burning the the southern edge of the Greenwood District that these black people have set up as their Black Wall Street. Um, And crews from the fire department actually went to put the fires out and this white mob forces them away with guns. Yeah. So that they couldn't put out the fires. Right. Um, there's another man who basically says that there were no firefighters that ever showed up. Mm. Um, and he says that, oh, the National Guard was just so great. They were just so helpful towards us. These are coming from the white mob members. Jesus. Um, then there's another mob member that says, actually, yeah, no, they did hold these firefighters at gunpoint. And they were actually firing at them to make sure they stayed away. Um, and he said that it would mean for us to take a fireman's life if it meant we would take a fireman's life if he went to go turn a stream of water onto a Negro's business. Wow. Wow. And then the fire chief said, like, they shot at my men all night long, but luckily none of them were hit. None of them were killed. Wow. Now, by 4 a.m., a dozen Black-owned businesses are now set on fire. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the Greenwood residents in that area hear about what's going on, and they're like, hey, we need to defend our neighborhood. And they take up arms to defend this area, while others basically begin this mass exodus. And throughout the night, there's a huge split in forces and... Some, but basically both sides are still fighting no matter what. Mm-hmm. At 5 a.m., a train whistle sounds and the white people decide that at that point, that is the signal for them to launch a full assault. Good Lord. Um, there was a white man who actually stepped out from behind one of the buildings and he was fatally shot by a sniper. Mm. Um, Then there's crowds of rioters that are pouring from their shelters by foot, by car and just into the streets of this black neighborhood. Five white men in a, in a car led the charge and, but they were actually all killed before they could head into the city past the first block. Holy crap. Um, then the, it was like the height of Jim Crow laws and racist segregation. 
being the progressive norm, right in between the civil war and civil rights movements. These white folks expect these Negroes town to be 100% self-sufficient. It's hearing that they would stop a fire department, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the wild part about this is like, you don't want these Negroes to have to, to, to get anything from you, but then when they create their own businesses and become self-sufficient, you're like, no, fuck you. Like, um, so at this point, the blacks are completely overwhelmed by how many white people are coming into the city and they start to retreat to the north end of Greenwood Avenue. Um, there's all sorts of chaos that's happening. Terrified residents are just fleeing their homes. Rioters are just being shot indiscriminately left and right. Um, a ton of the the residents in that area are killed by gunfire. They don't specify who side shot who. It's just gunfire in general. Because at this point, again, they're not really, they're, they're having like a full out, like mini civil war in their town. Um, They have small groups that have split off that are breaking into people's houses, breaking into buildings and looting all of these houses and buildings. And, the ones that were apparently the ones that were looting houses were detained by the national guard. I'm really confused as to how the national guard had any control of this situation. Yeah. Because you just let these people have an all out war in the middle of your town. And then you were like, you're looting a house. Come with me. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really confused. Can you not just form a line of your bodies between these people in this neighborhood and call it a day? Like it Apparently, they didn't give a shit because they were shooting at firefighters. They shot yeah, somebody who walked around the firefighter. That's true. Um, there are eyewitnesses who said that there were airplanes carrying assailants with rifles who were dropping firebombs on buildings and fleeing families. What a fucking nightmare. There Imagine were you're trying to get your kids out of here right. at five in the morning. And they're dropping firebombs on you? Like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? No. Um, there's a privately owned aircraft that was, disper- di- that was dispatched from the southwest field outside of Tulsa. Um, law enforcement officials later said that the planes were there to protect against a Negro uprising. Mind you, these people are just trying to fucking leave. <laughs> like, yeah. um, Law enforcement personnel said that there were actually some members of law enforcement on those planes. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, they said that they had at least a dozen or more planes that circled the neighborhoods, dropping burning turpentine balls on office buildings, hotels, filling stations, and multiple other buildings. There were also men who fired rifles at young and old black residents and just gunned them down in the streets. Yeah. Because they're trying to leave, and that's what blows my mind, is that these are people that are trying to leave and get out of there, and you're killing them. Right, and you're killing them. And they had nothing to do with your battle in the first place. And the thing is, that original group of black people that were like yeah we need to go in there and handle this half of them were like no we don't half of them were like just leave it alone yeah 
So it's like now this is here and like half of us didn't even want this. And yep. then the rest of us are just normal ass citizens that are being attacked. For yeah. The fucking right. At this point, all of the World War One veterans that were in the black community were like, we need to fight back against these people. And yeah. the parts of the communities that were families, that were business owners, that were doctors, lawyers in the community, they were like, nope, just let it be. Hmm. Um, and then there was a commissioner who said, no, nah, that actually never happened. We never had any planes drop any bombs. Nope. We never tried to protect against the Negro uprising. That's crazy. Wow. Um, and there were actually newspapers that targeted at black readers that reported the use of turpentine and rifles from planes but then they were like, no, those were just all secondhand accounts and those were all lies. Jesus. You're allowed to say whatever you want. Um, Beryl Ford, who was a historian of the disaster, concluded from a large collection of photographs that there was no evidence of any of the buildings being damaged by an explosion. What? But. But. No evidence, you guys. There was no explosions. We never dropped bombs on anybody. That's a lie. Jesus. And then in 2015, a previously unknown written eyewitness account was discovered and is now at the Smithsonian. Um, And it's a 10-page typewritten manuscript that says by Buck Colbert Franklin who was an attorney and the father of John Hope Franklin. I don't know what that is. Am I supposed to? I don't, I don't know who that is. Um, but he said that lucrid flames roared and belched and licked their forked tongues into the air. Smoke ascended into the sky in thick black volumes and amid it all, the planes, now a dozen or more in number, still hummed and darted here and there with the agility of natural birds in the air. Mm-mm. They darted and dipped low. I could hear something like hail falling upon the top of my office building. Down East Archer, I saw the old mill way hotel on fire burning from its top. And then another and another and another building began to burn from the top. The sidewalks were literally covered with burning turpentine balls. I knew all too well where they came from. I knew all too well why every burning building caught fire first from the top. I paused and waited for an opportune time to escape. Oh, where is our splendid fire department with its half dozen stations? I asked myself, is the city in conspiracy with this mob? Right. God. Um, and then he also stated that every time he saw a white man shot, he felt happy. He had hope for his race at that point. Jesus. Um, he said that he saw multiple machine guns being fired at night and heard thousands and thousands of guns being fired simultaneously from all directions. He states that he was then arrested by a thousand men. Mm. Then you get your middle class white families who employed black people in their home as cooks and servants who are now being attacked by white rioters as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Demanding that their families turn over the blacks and they needed to be taken to detention centers. And when 
Many white families complied, but those who refused were attacked and their homes were destroyed. (laughs) But don't worry, you guys, because the National Guard, they come back. Great. (laughs) They come back with 109 troops at 9.15 a.m. Because, you know, we haven't been getting bombed and shot at for the last 12 hours. Yeah, but at 915, we come in. They're like, hey, I got you guys. He says that the governor, he was ordered by the governor and he says that he couldn't actually act until they had contacted all the appropriate legal authorities, including the mayor, the sheriff and the police chief. Jesus, the police chief who who said that he didn't want he didn't want to do all this. Yeah, police chief who was like, no, I really I can't. What are you all doing here? Get out of my town. Everybody go home. By this point, thousands of black residents had fled the city. Another 4,000 persons were rounded up and detained. And martial law was established. Yeah. Um, Detainees were required to carry identification cards. As many as 6,000 black Greenwood residents were interned at three local facilities. Remember when I said the other day that it's not a detention camp? It's an internment camp. That's what the fuck they were doing. It's an internment camp. Stop using fancy words for what it is. (laughs) Um, Martial law was declared at 1149 a.m. And by noon, all of the troops had suppressed all of the violence. Um, the 3rd Infantry Oklahoma National Guard, who arrived on the 31st, reported numerous events related to the suppression of the riots. How long did it last? Um, uh, it lasted three days. Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah, Sean, the, the martial law lasted three days in the town. Um they had taken 40 blacks into custody. Um, they were putting machine guns on a truck and patrolling the city. Um, they reported being fired on from Negro snipers at the church who returned fire. They reported that they were fired on by white men. Um, they said that they turned the prisoners over to deputies to take them into police headquarters. Then they said they were fired on again by black men um and they had two uh two national guard members who were slightly wounded they were still out searching for black people who had firearms um they took another 170 black people into the civil authorities and then finally they delivered an additional 150 black people to the internment camp good god um all of the rest of the ammunition that they had found all of the weapons were all all of the weapons that were stockpiled in these burning buildings said they said that it all exploded and that led to even more deaths Ugh. yep so it was reported by the national newspaper that originally on june 1st 68 black people died and nine white people had died. But shortly after it was changed to 176. And then another newspaper reported nine white people and only 21 black people. Other newspapers are reporting that there were 175 people killed. Uh, The New York times said that 77 people were killed 
and 68 of them were black people. And then later they lowered that number to 33. Jesus. Um, That's very consistent reporting. Right. The Richmond Times Mm -hmm. in Virginia reported that 85 people were killed and 25 of them were white people. And the police chief had reported to the governor that 75 people died in total. But then the police major came in and said it was actually 175. Good God. The Oklahoma Department of Vital Statistics puts the number at 36 people, 26 of them being black and 10 of them being white. Um, And then they said that very few people actually died because of fires. Oh, okay. It was by guns and everything else. Yeah. So um, Walter Francis White of the NAACP travels to Tulsa from New York, and he reports that officials and undertakers said that there were 10 white and 21 black people, but there were actually 50 whites and 200 black people. Can't even with this. This is insane. Um, and then he said that 10 of the white men who were being counted in the riot deaths were actually the men who were killed by their own people. Mm. Mm. In the beginning. Jesus. Right. Um, and then he said that six white men drove into the black section and never actually, they were never seen again. Nobody knows what happened to them. They were just never seen again. Um, And then they said 13 white people were killed on that Wednesday. And he reported that a major of the Salvation Army said that 37 Negroes were employed as grave diggers um, to bury 120 Negroes. In individual graves, no coffins, just dump their bodies in there. Mm. Um, there was a ground penetrating radar that was used to investigate the sites of these mass graves and there was oral history all this kind of stuff but basically in 2001 the commission on the riot provided multiple contradicting estimates and there were approximately 300 people who were killed Jesus Um, in one night Right, in one night. They said that 39 of the casualties were listed as male. Four of them were unidentifiable. They were able to identify 26 of them as black and 13 of them as white. They said that the 13 fatalities that were white were all deaths that occurred at a hospital. The black people were just left to die in the street. Wow. Um, he said that eight. So this next part is them basically getting information from eyewitness accounts and things like that. So they said that when the night first started, eight of the 26 confirmed black fatalities were brought into the Negro hospital. Mm -hmm. Just eight of them. Um, But they said that that number, they stopped bringing these black people into these hospitals because the black hospital had been burned down. Wow. So only eight of them could have actually been brought to a hospital because that mob went in and burned their hospital down. Wow. 
The Red Cross says that there were most likely 55 to 300 deaths, but due to the hurried nature and undocumented burials, there can't actually be sure. Um, They registered 8,624 people and recorded 1,256 residents that were burned, residences that were burned, um, 215 residences that were looted, and then 183 people who were shot or wounded, shot or burned as wounds. Right. And then... 531 of them required first aid or surgical treatment and 10,000 people were left homeless. There were eight miscarriages attributed to this situation and 19 more people died in care. Holy crap. Well, and that's like you were saying, you know, there's those however many white guys that went in and didn't come back out. And it's like, I mean, were they killed and then their bodies were hidden? Who knows? And then how many, and that's the book I was reading. One of the stories that they were accounting for was there was, you know, a group of white men out there paying for people to hand over black people. Mm -hmm. And so that way they could kill them and hide their bodies as well. And And it's a whole part of that. Out of those 10,000 people who were homeless, it was mostly just black people who were homeless. Yeah. No white people who were homeless. They got burned down. Um, They had $750,000 in damages. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in that time. So that's uh, right. thirty-two a million bazillion. dollars now. Thank you. I was like a bazillion dollars now. Thirty-two 30 million dollars in damages. Sean mm. says this was an initial and then continual breakdown of communication in the elevator and the investigation, and finally at the courthouse and irreparable thereafter. If people could have taken a step back any time before then and actually talked, maybe. It could have been averted, but some people wanted to vilify and prosecute. The issue here is that this, what fucking reason did this newspaper have to publish any of these articles? Yep. What reason? Yep. Well, that's my tag phrase for the times we're living in right now is, hey, this was all preventable. Same thing with this. This was all preventable. What (sighs) reason did they have to do any of this shit? Nope. Stir shit up. Just, just to piss people off? Cause, cause a problem? Um, Hate for no good reason? Yeah. On June 3rd, um, a thousand businessmen basically met and they were like, how the hell are we going to raise funds to rebuild our part of town? Um, they had this mass meeting. Um, they were promised funding. And most of the blacks spent the winter of 1921 to 1922 just living in tents. That's nice. Um, in 1921, there was a grand jury investigation. Basically, they said that Chief Chuck Jordan said that the conduct of the Tulsa police he's quoted as saying the police department just didn't do their job you know they just didn't that's that was the end of the statement they just didn't do their job like Mm. um he said that the lawlessness in the state of Oklahoma was the contributing factor 
And if it were not for the profitable alliances of politics and vice or professional crime, the tiny spark, which was the beginning of all these outrages, would have been promptly. Oh, hey, Ari. Would have been promptly uh, extinguished. Mm-hmm. Um, he Clark, who was an Oklahoma historian and a law professor, completed his doctoral dissertation in law on the subject of lawlessness in Oklahoma, specifically on this time period and how the lawlessness actually led to the rise of the the second rise of the KKK in this area. Mm -hmm. Um, And how that second rise of the KKK basically illustrates how that area really actually needed law and order in this town. And they actually needed functional uh, judiciary systems. Yeah. Not just a hope and a prayer. Did it because they could. That's exactly what it is. The newspaper was the spark in the drought. I'd forgotten that detail, but just like our modern media, I'm sure it was prompted by someone in power who wanted to incite their own racist agenda. Yeah, that's... They're just doing this for shits and giggles at this point. Like... and, And to call 60 people coming to town to be like hey don't lynch this guy to call that an uprising is right unbelievable to me you have a thousand people standing in front of a courthouse and then you have a separate 60 black people who are just like hey no 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 we're not lynching anybody and you call that an uprising and then the sheriff who's chicken shit in my book (laughs) was like hey Hey, can can we get the black people over here to come protect their friend? Because we don't have enough police officers. And then the black yeah. people show up, and he's like, "Me? I, never called I would them. never for help." Like stepping on ants, you have to see them as beneath. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. Um, there were just multiple investigations that happened. Um, the chief of police was actually prosecuted on multiple account on multiple counts uh refusing to enforce prohibition refusing to enforce anti-prostitution laws operating a stolen automobile laundering racket um allowing known automobile thieves to escape justice just for the pope- purpose of extorting the citizens of tulsa for rewards relating to their return repurposing vehicles for their own use or sale operating a fake detective agency for the purpose of billing the city of Tulsa for investigative duties that he was already being paid as a chief of police, failing to enforce gun laws and failure to take any action during any of the riots. And fire him. What the fuck? Um, your, your government's being run by the mob. That's nuts. The, Attorney General received tons of letters alleging that members of the police force conspired with members of the justice system to threaten witnesses in the corruption trials and Mm. the grand jury investigations. Mm. Um, Various members of the public requested presence of the Attorney General at all the trials. Um, And the Attorney General said, "Mm, just not in our budget. Yeah. That's what they they said. It's just not in our budget. We can't, nah, sorry, can't make it. That's, that's not how that works. Um, and it's said that the attorney general actually had a long history of fraud. Of course. I mean. Um, 
predating his membership into the Tulsa Police Department. And his previous partner in his detective agency was convicted of blackmail. He ran a fake detective agency. Stop that, it with a fake detective agency. Yes, he I ran want a, to start one now. Couldn't be bothered yet. He, Look, we're going to start a fake detective right? agency. He started a fake detective agency that billed the police station. He was billing the so police station. <laughs> um, and no. they were actually... Investigators noted that he was actually involved in a particularly disturbing case that involved the frequent rape of an 11-year-old girl by her father who had since become pregnant. And instead of prosecuting him, they just sent a letter. I can't. I can't. Not one single person was charged on any act of violence. No. Yeah, that's the bonkers part. Not one single person is charged here. Nope. That's illegal. <laughs> oh, brother, you're not getting that. That's illegal. Oh. But I don't want to arrest you. <laughs> but, but Brittany, it would be real cool if we did it. <laughs> We'd be the coolest detectives. So... Basically, in, and then in, in 1997, they form this Tulsa Race Massacre Commission. Um, and in 2001, they are finally basically given a list of things in order that they need to take care of. The first one being direct payment of reparations to any of the survivors. Um, direct payment of reparations to any of the descendants of those survivors. A scholarship fund that would be available to students who were affected by the Tulsa Race Massacre. The establishment of an economic development enterprise zone in the historic area. And a memorial for the re the reburial of any of the remains of any of the victims. Oh my gosh. So, but again, this happened in 1921. Yeah. And, and that didn't 19. happen until 2001. Jeez. Oh, I thought you said 97. 97 is when the commission was started. 2001 oh is God. when they finally were able to agree on what they would do. Yeah. Well, and also it took a million years for them to actually call it a, a race. A war, race, right? War. Yeah. They, yeah, they just, it, it was the, the Greenwood race riots that's what they were calling it they were just calling this race riots they started out simply calling it race riots and then eventually they were like um no this was a massacre no. there you go thank you it was massacre it was the massacre word that needed to be said. yes yes yeah because it's actually that's the definition of like come on yeah exactly sean but yeah like, well and that's that's one of those <laughs> you know so you have all these people they've built up their their side of town they have their businesses established years. they have their homes yep. established and you literally burn all of it mm -hmm. and then they're having to live in tents and then try to reestablish and get money from where you know so that's one where i'm like yeah yay reparations because how else do you dig yourself up from that and you never asked for that but like, you've got to remember is... that this is 80 years oh i know so it's like they're paying reparations out to the they said reparations to the survivors. There you go. Not even. That's yeah, the first everybody. one. Reparations to the survivors. Wow. So my, the rest of my entire family died, but I was eight and managed to get out. Mm -hmm. 
Now I'm yeah, 88 so and barely living. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, all my family died. We lost our home and yeah, our business. Yeah, I, I lost my home, my business, and my entire family. And now mm-hmm. I'm 88. We had, and you're finally giving yeah. me some money. Right. And over something that I had no involvement with whatsoever right. and didn't want to be a part of. Yeah. Wild. Good times. <laughs> Wild. And it, what else do you have? Is that it? That's it. Because, I mean, it's just a sad story, guys. Sorry. That's it. It's just a sad story. There's re- The happy ending is they reburied everybody's bodies in a um, memorial, a, but still, like, a mass grave. So, like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and that's, no, and that's the thing. This is something that, you know, like, we were talking with a lot of people about this isn't taught in schools. This isn't something, and this is something American history that everybody should freaking know about. But yeah. it's not taught. People are learning about it now because it's referenced in the show Watchmen. Yes. If they survive this long through the civil rights movement, precisely. Yeah, because exactly. at this point, you because at the point of civil rights movement, when we hit the 60s, you know, these people are fucking tired. Yeah. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. exhausted at that point. Go put me off of mute. Oh. Yeah. I was like, Why? yeah, didn't mean it. If they survive that long. Oh. Okay. Well, you better hope they got the hell out of Oklahoma. (laughs) I know. I know. It's like, this is our call to relocate. Okay. And only if, yes. So are y'all ready for my last sad story? Eh. Jesus. Okay. Um, we're going to switch gears and go back to current events right now. Um, Flip actually sent me this name today and I had no idea. Like I Googled and I went, what the hell? I had never heard of this until you asked if I could research it. And I said, yeah, no problem. Yeah. So this is news to me. Um, So hopefully news to some of y'all. Welcome. Um, So in season one of what we're doing here, Crush and Press podcast, um, we talked about the Dallas transgender murders. And we covered that on an episode. If you're um, on our Facebook, well, it's on YouTube and stuff now. Scroll back. Um, one of the episodes mm-hmm. is the Dallas transgender murders, the majority of whom are black women. And so this is, of course, one more. Let's do one more. Um, so police in South Florida say that they have identified a pair, a suspect, finally, in the slaying of a right. transgender woman found dead in a burning car this month. The Hendy County Sheriff's Office is searching for a 29-year-old Jameson Richmond, J-A-M-S-O-N, Jameson, Jameson, um, in the okay. September 4th His murder. His name isn't important. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's a, he's a dick. Um, but this happened in September when she was actually killed. Mm-hmm. Um, the office is investigating this case as a possible hate crime. Yeah, you think? And um, the county sheriff's spokesperson, Captain Harrell, told CBS News that they haven't confirmed a motive yet. But um, he has also... Bl- it's yeah that would be your motive that's your motive Um, yeah he is also believed to be connected to the killing of jamal hubert who is a 30 year old father found dead in the south bay canal in june so uh if we actually catch and accuse this guy that's two so far um authorities have not said how slater or hubert died or why they believe richmond is linked to the cases he has not been charged in either death yet he is just a person of remember interest that was life. september and he was he was named in october mm-hmm. so yeah. we're and in before june. that it was in june <laughs> yeah <sighs> so on september 4th police responding to a 911 call reporting a car 
fully engulfed in flames in Clewiston, Florida, um, found 23-year-old Slater's body inside. Her remains were burned beyond recognition. The Hendy County Sheriff Steve Whitten told news outlets his department is working diligently to solve the crimes and that we are following up on every lead, every bit of information we get. This homicide has been one of the most gruesome homicides I have ever seen. Um, Slater's best friend, Kennard Wade, told another affiliate that he believes Slater was targeted as a member of the LGBTQ community. And he told the station that Slater, who lived in Pahokee, about 30 miles away from where her body was found, had received several threats the day that she was found murdered. She reportedly told him that she wanted to leave town to avoid trouble. Um, she was and he trying says, to go to Atlanta. Yeah. He says she had a really, really good heart. She would never harm anyone, never put any, anyone in harm's way. How could someone go to that extreme to get rid of her? So uh, that Friday, deputies searched a home for about two and a half miles from where Slater's body was found, and they were seen removing bags of evidence from the house, which was the Palm Beach Post, uh, which the Palm Beach Post reported as Richmond's last known address. So they did manage to go to his house, dig out a bunch of evidence, and take some shit into custody. Um, social media, of course, once again, has played a key role in the investigation. And uh, deputies were investigating a Facebook post made before the crime that read, somebody needs to kill the love. He told the station the post was linked to that home. So a lot of the stuff we're looking into is based on social media, according to the sheriff mm-hmm. that's you know, investigating. According to the human rights campaign, Slater is at least the 18th transgender person killed in 2019. The advocacy group tracked 27 killings of transgender people last year. The majority of the victims were women of color. And in June, the American Medical Association called fatal attacks against transgender people of color an epidemic because it's a problem and it's frequent. So um, this is from Harlem, Florida. Uh, B. Love Slater, that's our woman that was killed, was afraid. She said, I don't want to be here. Um, I don't want to get in trouble. And if she stayed in the forsaken little town of Pahokee, Florida, much longer, she thought she would be. And she was right. Yep. So on September 4th, she became the 18th transgender person killed in the U.S. in 2019. And uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren tweeted, I'm hurt sick for B. Love Slater and her loved ones. The murder of black trans women is a crisis and we have to act to stop it now. Uh, Slater was found, like we said, burned beyond recognition inside of a Chrysler PT cruiser that was torched and left next to a canal in Harlem, a former camp for black farm workers. Her death has heightened fears among transgender people throughout Florida, and people are especially wary in small towns. Uh, People tend to be a little bit more close-minded. It's not as safe, said Hearst, uh, who's 31 and transgender. And the Hendy County Sheriff's investigators aren't saying whether gender identity led to her killing. But, I mean, it seems to be a problem and pretty consistent. Come on. like Sometimes the obvious isn't always the obvious, so we are following all leads and speaking to as many people as possible. Um, B-Love grew up in a region known for its muck, the rich, moist soil uh, left in parts of the Everglades, which are drained to make way for sugar cane. Mm -hmm. She lived in nearby Pahokee, named for its grassy waters. And these days the town is population of 6,000. And it's better known for its athletes. A dozen or so residents have played in the NFL. Um, signs taped to her yellow apartment said that the family requested privacy and would call the police if their wishes weren't respected. 
Harlem is where Slater was found, and it's a 40-minute drive away. So it's near the le- edge of Lake Okeechobee. Okeechobee, about 25, yeah. Okeechobee. About uh, 2,500 people live there. And then census shows that about 95% are black. Mm-hmm. And the medium household income is uh, $21,000 or less. Yep. So that's less than half the Florida average. Um, the settlement was created in 1928 for sugarcane workers. It's next to Clewiston, a town of uh, 3,000 that's mostly white. And Slater was one of only two openly transgender people mm-hmm. in the area. So Sean said that he thinks that trans black women have the second highest demographic mortality rate at one in five non-binaries being one in three with higher suicide rates while black trans women have a higher rate of being a murder victim that is yep. totally true yep and that's what we found too yeah. on our other episode for sure mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so let's see she was bound to face hostility merely going outside would put her in danger yep. you don't go into certain stores you don't walk the streets and then uh transphobia the fear or dislike of transgender people runs especially strong in some black communities yep a lot of churches and communities of color are not welcoming and that can you imagine I can't imagine. I think that has to be the worst part of this situation is that I don't I don't give a shit what anybody says. Racism is still a thing, whether it's quiet racism or it's loud racism, it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. So now you're black. You're transgender. Your own community is not accepting of you. Right. Because I'm going to be really honest with you. Black people aren't really accepting of gays, lesbians, whatever. They're just, they're not accepting of transgender people, gay people. They're not accepting of that community. Mm -hmm. You add on to that, that you're growing up in florida and that part of florida okeechobee they're not okeechobee is down south but they're not progressive like the rest of (laughs) like the rest of them down south there um you're growing up in a community where you're not accepted by your own race because you're transgender you're Mm -hmm. not really accepted by anybody down there because you're transgender and then to top it all off you're black in a poor black community Mm-hmm. So you're extra not accepted. Yep. Like, well, and that's what this this one goes into. It's easy to forget here in this liberal enclave near the coast how different things are when you head further yep. west, west in mm-hmm. Palm Beach County or into northern Florida. Yep. Um, Pahokee, Clewiston are all places where it's definitely more dangerous to be out as a trans person, especially a trans woman. Yep. And then men in particular feel threatened by trans women because they feel it brings their masculinity into question. So they lash out at these women mm-hmm. violently. Yep. And they, uh, Harrison suspects that the number of trans women killed in 2019 actually reaches into the dozens. Um, and then let's see, often a person's family doesn't accept a trans person's identity and will describe them by their gender at birth. Yep. So that their death is not included in our statistics. Yep. The ugly truth is, despite some progress being made regarding the rights for trans people in this country, our society is still largely unwilling to accept them for who they are. And trans people who choose to live authentically are in danger every day simply for being themselves. Mm-hmm. These are just people, y'all. It's just people. Um, before her death, 
she had been increasingly defiant about her gender choice, especially after undergoing breast augmentation surgery earlier this year. And until she did her transformation, she did not have that confidence. But I think she, once she got that, she was a whole transformation going from one person who was like, I don't know, to someone who's like, this is me and there's nothing anybody can do. And I feel that there was no stopping her at all. Um, she worked as a security guard and had hoped to travel to Atlanta for Labor Day and for other LGBT events. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to hang out. Um, she felt safer being here than going someplace she didn't know. And then a few days before her body was found, she became the subject of a vicious rumor. Somebody on Twitter accused her of having sex with middle school children. Some, and then the quote of somebody needs to kill be love was the message that went out. And Slater denied the accusations on Facebook saying, y'all be wanting to find out something negative about me so bad that y'all can run with it and try to drag my name through the mud. Trust me, I will never give you that satisfaction. And it's one of those where you're trying to create a reason to kill somebody. To kill somebody. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about that with the Tulsa race. Like you're trying to look for a reason to kill somebody. Um, So it goes through this whole, you can find all these conversations, all the social media conversations, all the phone conversations, there's screenshots and everything out there. If you guys want to dig into Mm -hmm. that. Um, But the rest of this is just all of her friends saying how wonderful she was. What a sweet, precious, loving, kind person. This is a horrific death. Um, Her says he didn't know Slater, but considered her a sister. Some of our families have disowned us. We have become everybody's family. Her journey is my journey. And I know what it's like to be misunderstood. Like, it's just, it's so sad. And what a horrible way to go. So um, authorities are offering up a $3,000 reward for information about the case. And callers can reach the sheriff's office at 863-674-5600. And Crime Stoppers at 1-800-780-TIPS. So, so if, if you're from that area, you know something, say something. Yeah. Um. Sean said that modern black culture is admittedly kind of, kind of anti-LGBT, depending on the locale. Trans black folk are hyper-subjective both in and out of their own neighborhoods. They are visible too, while non-binaries can blend. Trans, black are, trans blacks are vulnerable to be killed by nearly any violent demographic. Their sample size is more concentrated and easy to single out. They are the mm-hmm. highest murdered peoples on the earth. America and what is more shameful about it is that they have nowhere to turn but that's also why pride you know what started pride yeah if you look into the stonewall look into stonewall rise up and all that I mean it's black ladies you know going hard kicking ass (laughs) kicking ass and taking names all right (laughs) like yeah my favorite murder just covered that and I was like this is the best episode I've ever heard it was so good but yeah that's um one of the other hashtags that I've seen going around is like black trans lives matter too. Yeah. Like, period. That is a because huge that's the thing. one right now. Yeah. Because within the black community, like you're saying, it's not as accepting. It's not of, accept- and it's like, these are still your people. They still matter. And right. to me, I'm like, these are still human beings that matter. And that's, I'm one of those people that I just, I love everybody. This is my problem. But um, I have been blessed with meeting some amazing trans people through the hooping community, through the theater community, and um, just through the yard seller page. Yeah. Um, I had <laughs> I had this, um, it was, man, he was in the process of, like, deciding 
how he was going to transition. So he wanted to buy cheap clothes and makeup and kind of practice at home before he went full out. And I was selling a case of makeup and then a bunch of clothes. Aww. And so he messaged me and was like, Hey, um, my girlfriend wanted to know if I could buy some of your stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, no problem. You, whenever you want to come by. And uh, this is in North Carolina. And he messaged me later and said, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not for my girlfriend. It's for me. This is what's going on. If you have a problem with that, I understand. And I won't come by. And I was like, no, baby, you come on by. You come get your stuff. Get your and stuff. if you need to, if you want to try on stuff in the bathroom, if you want to whatever, let's do, do that. You know, period. And then we had, um, it was a customer at JCPenney. When I was working, I was a manager there. And we had, um, you know, fitting rooms in the women's department, fitting room in the men's. Well, there was this little part in the middle that was American Living. And they had, it, you know, open family style yeah. fitting rooms. And um, he was shopping in the women's and still presenting as male, but shopping in women's and asked somebody like, where can I try these on? They're like, well, there's the men's. He's like, I really don't want to be in the men's with all these, you know, women's clothing. And I got called over because it's me and they know Angela will handle this. And I was like, come over here. We have a fitting room that I will start just for you. And we put him in the American Living fitting room and started a rack for him and said, just go shop the store. This is your private fitting room. You do whatever you want. So that's, I don't understand the hate for it it blows my mind these are just people and if you would just be a, a decent fucking human being and treat people with you know i didn't humanity. i didn't really process things like this until all right so for those of you who don't know here in our audience and in both here on facebook and welcome people who are on twitch i think there are some or possibly some viewers on twitch right now um I am a social worker and I didn't really like process things like that because in my family, you know, while we don't just outright say, you know, this person is this, this person is this, you know, it's just whatever. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what you are. I don't care what you do. Like, uh, you're not a pedophile. So you're cool with me, <laughs> you know? Um, and I didn't process this until one, and I don't know if Cece is still in here and I don't want to out her business, but I think with her, that was kind of like my first experience with being like, wait, what? Like mm -hmm. your parents are mad about this <clears throat> mm -hmm. or, you know, even my friends in high school who had said to me like, yeah, I can't because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... Mm -hmm. who the fuck cares like yeah. i just don't understand it and then when i got into this field my training class there was an older black woman who was sitting she sat at the other table and she said and a comment was made about putting aside your personal biases for your job honestly mm -hmm. in the social work field i don't know how the fuck you have biases you're working with people of all different races, religions, sexual orientations. Like, how the fuck do you have a bias? But yeah. they said, so say you're working with a young gay child. Mm -hmm. Or say you're working with a child who wants to transition. How do you approach that? What's your bias towards it? And I was like, I don't have a bias towards it. I don't. I mean, I think his help. parents are assholes, but that child mm -hmm. needs help because the scenario was that the child would try to kick, that the child was being kicked out of the home. 
And I was like, I don't have an issue with that. I don't care. Like, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, And the older black woman sitting next to me said, that's against God. How could you do that? And she was like, I don't know if I could work with the, the gay and, and transgender population. And then the girl sitting next to her, who was the same age as me, was like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Wow. And then she said, well, is he black or is he white? It's just a fucking scenario in a textbook. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I was matter. like, what difference does it make? Yeah. And I said something about it. And, and the, the supervising teacher at the time was like, not everybody's had the same experiences in life that you have. And I was like, I don't. I don't think this has to do with having the same experiences. I think this just has to do with no. human decency at this point. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. mm, it's it's mm-hmm. human decency. Yeah. And choosing not to pretend that you're God that gets to judge anybody. You don't get to fucking judge people. So no. our, our comments are popping off right now. <laughs> um, Hi, Fran. So Elaine popped in and said that she used to support the death penalty when she was younger, but she learned how easily people are arrested and convicted for crimes they didn't do or has completely changed her mind. Um, So becoming your own judge and jury and executioner is just insane to me. Sean says his argument against the death penalty is that it's much too, that it's too merciful. Um, Some deeply twisted criminals deserve a little life's, a life of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Elaine, My opinion on that is always we should, whatever your crime was, that should be done to you. Right. But you don't want my but, opinion. You know, you know, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. It's not ethical, whatever. Um, yeah. Oh, you cut off people's limbs? We're going to cut off one yeah, of your limbs right? every year. Get ready. Um, Elaine said that she just thinks that if there's any chance that the person could be innocent, then I don't think we should have such an absolute end to someone i agree with that um sean had stated that i he has to have a girlfriend with him if he wants to shop for skirts he can't do it by himself because yeah it's hard to try things on or know Mm -hmm. if something will be in my style and i'm sorry sean i am referring to you as he i i haven't (laughs) we haven't asked your pronouns (laughs) i haven't asked your pronouns and i apologize for that um, I know it's been a real long time since Sean and I have had contact. So, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, well, and we, that's when you shouldn't you shouldn't have to lie about clothing. That's, that's such a fucking ridiculous thing to have to lie have about. To go in, yeah, you, if you want to buy something, you're there to purchase an item. Who the fuck cares what it's for or why? Or you shouldn't have to lie and like say it's for a costume, it's for my girlfriend, whatever. You're there to buy clothes. I can walk into a men's department and buy a and necktie. Buy a and necktie and to. nobody questions me. <laughs> no. No. So that just blows my mind. I don't um, get it. Brittany said that Jay, she and Jay were talking the other day and he made a point that in order for people to say being against trans issues is an ethical issue, have to find a clear point in which they become ineligible for basic human rights what yeah. events make them less than human. And the fact is that there are none. So there shouldn't be any reason to deny anyone anything. Thank you. <laughs> like, exactly. What makes anybody less of a person than you? Um, Agreed on that point too. Elaine, it just keeps the innocent ultimately protected too. Sean said, don't worry about his pronouns. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Okay, I just didn't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I'm glad that you joined us today and you like had 
great things Hell to yeah. say in our conversations. Like, that was super helpful. I'm honestly really grateful and appreciative towards all of you because you all I had know, wonderful guys. things to say. And Bo, yeah, that's a good conversation. Bo didn't have much to say, but he was learning. And I know he was learning because he told Joey to get the heck out of here because he was learning. <laughs> trying to learn, Joey. Get out of here. <laughs> um. Wow, that's great. Yay. So I think part of the reason why this whole topic kind of stemmed here, and she's off to bed. Good night, Elaine. Bye, bye, bye. Um, I think part of the reason why this whole like topic popped off in my head, and and I was like, Angela, we need to cover these things. Um, well, you know, Juneteenth is Friday. Yeah, that's also Trevor's birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday, Trevor. Happy birthday, Trevor. <laughs> um, I just feel like finally a real form for true communication. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we're here for. That's what we try to bring. <laughs> um, I just feel like it's really important. Like I said, Juneteenth is Friday. Um, I know a lot of people aren't fully aware of that whole celebration. There's a big thing because Target is now that's an official holiday their their co-workers are their workers are now off so happy to join wow. the girls. thanks um mm. yes and th- their 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 workers are finally off um for juneteenth uh, damn um that's and yeah you got to remember that the ceo of target was like you can loot my stores all the fuck you want i'm a billionaire <laughs> like, yeah and and then sat there and and put out after the looting was done put out supplies mm-hmm. for the protesters and was like here take what you need um is everybody getting mad on behalf of Target? You're wrong, and they don't agree with you. He was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, so Juneteenth is when Texas finally, after the Emancipation Proclamation in 65, is finally when Texas is like, all right, fine. Yeah, Angelo. What the- <laughs> on behalf of all of Texas. I'm sorry, sorry for the delay. <laughs> um, so that's that's the celebration of Juneteenth because that lets that that's finally all of them being free. Um, so that is on Friday. We are also mm-hmm. in the middle of Pride Month. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. we are in the middle of honestly what is a really crazy time here in America. <laughs> Oh where my God, everybody is just standing up and they're like, you know what? I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> uh, it makes me so happy because it's something that, you know, I've been really passionate about since like uh, 2003 when, like I said, I did any town camp and my eyes were open and like the world changed yep. and then went to college and my first roommate and both sweetmates were black and said, hi, you dumb white girl. Here's some things you need to know. And I was like, cool. I Listen. didn't know. It helps. <laughs> They taught you know, me all about moisturizer and hair oil. I'm just saying. There was a when when we were talking about B and mm-hmm. the idea of South Florida. So mm-hmm. for a year, I lived in Boca. I went to school down there for a year. I fucking hated it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I came back, and I can distinctly remember I was with. A couple of my friends, we had gone to Quidditch practice because Quidditch is a sport down there. So we had gone to Quidditch practice. Tyler and Clayton, I love you guys. You guys got me into Quidditch. So we went to Quidditch practice and we were walking back and 
it's like starting to rain and, and Tyler and I are just kind of like walking and there's tons of people now out on the walkway to my dorm. And this boy comes up to me and he hands me a feather. And I'm like, a feather. And, you know, like, I don't know if you guys have ever played Harvest Moon, but in Harvest Moon, if you give somebody a feather, that means, like, you want to, like, date them. (laughs) So so he hands me this feather, and I'm (laughs) laughing. And I'm like, why did you hand this to me? And he goes, here, girl, I got this feather for you. It's black on white, because I know that's how you like it. And my friend Tyler is white. (laughs) Oh, God. Was not anything at all like that. Like, he had a girlfriend. (laughs) Like, he was just walking me back to my dorm, because he was just a genuine person. And he has this feather and says, here's this feather. It's black on white because I know you like it that way. And I was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> it, it's 2013. What the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> like, like, um, And I think like at that point, I was kind of like, what the fuck is wrong with these people down here in South Florida? Like, y'all are supposed to be real progressive, but you're actually <laughs> just an asshole. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> it's just weird. What the fuck? As far as the whole human decency thing goes, I felt subhuman, literally worshipped humans above me until I put myself, until I was put in a mental ward. I had to earn my own human decency in my own mind, also coming from the perspective of seeing humans as equally above me. So to Ugh. come to a world where all these idols of mine saw each other as beneath them was very jarring. The argument uh-huh. that trans issues or are or aren't worth human decency. Right. And I'm just, I'm trying to understand it. And I'm sorry Everybody is, yes, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Every single person is worthy of human decency. Like, I don't, listen. Last I checked, last I checked we're all children of God. <laughs> we were all born for love. You remember that show. part where you're like, the, the, Jesus said love one another, but then you're out here. discriminating against people who don't follow what you believe. I'm a little confused because that's not what the Bible said. (laughs) Yeah, he goes, I said love your neighbor, not except for. You know, I went to private school for a long, 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 long time. And at no point in my head was I like, oh, yeah, I should love everybody except for those gays. Don't like them. Where did you get that from? That just blows my mind. Standing in church one day and they said a prayer and they said, we're going to say a prayer for all the homosexuals so that they see the rights, they, they see the light and they see the wrongs in their path. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with them? No. They're just living their lives, bro. I don't understand. You- I, I fail to understand. <laughs> As yeah. I sit here in my print shirt, I fail to understand what the fuck y'all are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Like y'all, I was raised on the music of Michael Jackson. Last I checked, we are the world. We are the children. Um, my cousin and I had a discussion yesterday about there's a Facebook post about interracial couples and how they're getting a lot of fucking flack on the internet right now. And even I was like, this it's just crazy to me. Yeah, and I was like, at no point did my family ever say like, you can't do that. Get the fuck over yeah. yourselves. <laughs> yeah. I found my person. Stop it. That just blows my mind. That was the good thing about our school. They didn't teach us discrimination. Yeah. You know, Brittany and I went to school together. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's well, one really good thing. Like, I was never taught to discriminate against anybody. Like, 
No. First of all, well, I was not- one of three black kids in my class. <laughs> like, yeah, hi, welcome. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? Like, <laughs> like, hey, guys. But that's also, I mean, we, me, you, Brittany, we're all raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. And that's one where I have found a, a majority of my gay friends that are Catholic. They're like, this is the one church where I felt accepted, period. And I'm like, that's surprising to me because you would think, you know, otherwise. But like, well, what the hell is they going uh, They're certainly not joining the Baptists. I know. That's that's something that I didn't even think about. And then, you know, there's different priests that are, you know, they're gay and they're like, so, you know, I felt like I couldn't get married or whatever. So I decided to become a priest, you know, and stuff like that. And it's like, damn, that's something I hadn't because, you know, my church that I grew up in, all the ones I've ever been to have never taught discrimination like that and hate. And the one here that I, you know, went to like on the beach for a long Mm -hmm. time, especially with Father Al, who's the best. Um, We actually passed out until recent events yeah i know so shit changed but yeah father out made sure when uh like legislation was coming up to save uh the food stamp program and stuff like that those were in all of our pews and he's like i want you guys to fill these out because jesus taught us you feed the hungry and you clothe the naked and you whatever so you can fill these out and we'll send them out in on your behalf and i'm going that's what this is about are you serious so that's what people stop doing it blows my mind when people use you know other dumb reasons to attack people for being people Uh, like you murder people you're done barriers that perceive to be nearly non-existent i tend to both listen there was i never had anything that like yeah like i said like in in middle school i didn't really have experiences like that in in high school i didn't have experiences like that damn sure not in elementary school i didn't have experiences like that it really wasn't until college that i had experiences where i was like what the fuck is wrong with you people like yeah um and that's me i remember in high school like the like the two gay kids that came out we were all so thrilled for them we're like we've all known this in second grade we're glad you realized it yeah oh my welcome my my best friend we've all known you've been gay forever he came out to me and he he's then he College, not so much in Utah. Yeah, I was gonna say, Sean, in Utah. <laughs> um, my best friend came out to me right after we graduated from high school, and he was like, "I'm gay," and I was like, "Okay, and do you want a fucking milkshake?" Like, we're in the we're in the line at fucking Steak and Shake, and he tells me this, and I'm like, "Do you want a milkshake or not?" And he's like, "What?" And I was like, "Okay, and like." <laughs> are we getting a milkshake (laughs) like and he was like so you're not surprised and then he told one of our other friends and she was like cool cool and he was like so neither of you and i was like did you want us to pop confetti in the air and like fly a plane over like what do you like what do you want from me (laughs) cool bro i'm straight i'm proud of you for saying you're (laughs) thank you Um, but yeah, we had we had one guy in our theater um, that I remember asking my mom because I'm in like uh, middle school, high school when I met him, and she was telling me something, you know, because she's brought up different generation, and she's like, <laughs> I think she goes, we think he's gay, and I was like, yeah, mom, but don't you think he's been gay his whole life? Like, can you ever imagine him not being like based on the adult he is now? I'm like, you can only imagine the child he was, like, you know. And so we had that whole conversation because my mom for a long time was like, they choose to be, and I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think that's a choice. Oh, Sean. <laughs> Listen, people's choice. I'm not. I'm not that person. I'm not that person. I don't care. Live your life, man, mm-hmm. and live your. First of all, you do you, okay? <laughs> like, 
live your best life. Like I said, as long as you're not a fucking pedophile, I don't care what you're doing out here. Thank you. Don't kill people. Don't, don't kill don't people. Mess don't mess with children. And I'm a, the the ooh news story that I was going to tell you is that um uh uh um couple hours ago danny masterson from that 70s show was charged with three counts of rape fucking finally 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 that's like 15 years right yeah yeah because he was accused a long ass time ago shots it about the person you're gonna right it's Mm -hmm. not so I was like about the person your anecdote. Yeah, nope. I don't care. Like it's cool. I'm yeah. all for it. Like do your thing. <laughs> also, yeah, I got some pretty good uh, <laughs> gaydar in my life. Apparently, <laughs> I know. Um, well, and also, like me and Flip, we're very lucky to be those kind of people that people come to and tell us their business because they know that we love them and we're right. going to be there no matter what. <laughs> people like, and that's that's always something. Like even in high school, a lot of my friends came came out to me or like said things to me and i was like okay cool like mm-hmm. you're still you you're yes, still my you friend like killed people right you're not a murderer right <laughs> you're not 18 years old dating d- dating a 13 year old right right <laughs> we can still be friends right <laughs> that's my thing like we can still be friends we draw life somewhere with murderers and child molesters don't do that don't, don't do, that. do that we won't we won't support you after that Sorry, I'm not friend. that person to be like free my homie. He only murdered twelve people. Like I'm not. I'm not that person. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, so Danny Masterson charged with forcibly raping three women in his Hollywood home. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I was Fuck. non-binary until my second year in college. I'm also okay. It's called discovery. It's right. self discovery yourself. It takes time. Um. So yes. Uh. Oh, his attorney says he's innocent, though. So. Well, they have to. <laughs> he would be a bad attorney otherwise. Danny Masterson is a practicing Scientologist. The cult. Um, and what's her name? Laura Pepechkin. Oh, I don't know. From that 70s show. She played Donna. She oh, shit. Yeah. always said that he was fucking creepy. Um, that he made really awkward comments towards her, that he made her feel extremely uncomfortable. Um, Mila hasn't come out and said anything. Um, and I know he was on Ashton's show for a while, and I think he Ashton eventually forced him to leave the show. Propon, yes, I'm, thank you, Marissa. I'm just making it sure it's the guy I'm thinking it is. He yeah. is, okay. yeah. Hide. Didn't, yeah, hide. hide. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because I remember my cousin Cheryl kind of telling me about that. So many like, red flags with Danny. Know. There were a ton of red flags with Danny. But Laura had said that she felt like he had done something wrong and that he, his, I guess Scientology is a religion. It's a cult, but whatever. Um, we, can, we can just call it a cult. It's a cult. That he had said a lot of really, like, weird things about his... I heard about Danny today. I'm apprehensive to watch it all play out. Could really put a dent in public and relevant awareness on this. That is true. 
Um, the only reason why I even really know about this is, like I said, it popped up on my Twitter. Like, Twitter sends me, like, news notifications. So that happened to be one that popped up on Twitter, like, literally two hours ago. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, but what I have to say to that is play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I, like, that's about it. Like, like There you go. Yeah, get ready. You can say and do whatever you want, but there will be consequences. Yeah, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And that that is a true case of play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You're innocent? Okay. Uh, sure. Tell that to everyone else. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Trevor's asking me to call him so he can go to bed, so I gotta get out Sounds of here. Sounds good. Two hours. We're at two Yo, hours, you guys. For a mini-sode, it was a full one. But, hey, we're not gonna be here this Sunday. No. So that we will not well be deserved. here on Sunday. And- we had to cover this. Come on. Um, yes. It needed to be done. Mm-hmm. We will not be here on Sunday. It is Father's Day. Spent slash b- between seasons. Slash, and we're going to do a planning yeah, meeting. Yeah, slash or between seasons. Yeah. I mean, you do a planning meeting. <laughs> um, we just ended 27 Club. But sweet news. Guess what next Wednesday is? Guess what next Wednesday is? Do we get a new box? Next Wednesday is Hunt a Killer Wednesday. Oh, Woo! <laughs> Next We're Wednesday, back in it, guys. yes, We're back in it. Next Wednesday is Hunt a Killer Wednesday. Our yeah. box should be here by Sunday. So okay. next Wednesday is so, Hunt a Killer Wednesday. If you're new, backtrack. Follow those old episodes. Get caught up on that yes, storyline. Please we're picking do, up right where we left because we're picking right up um, that Wednesday. I will read the email from Julia. And mm-hmm. we will hop right into the next box. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Get your wine. Get ready to play games. Get your wine and get ready to play a game with us. It'll be fun. Mm. Or whatever you want to drink. You don't have to drink wine. I'm drinking no. whiskey right now. You don't have to drink wine. I don't care. I'm drinking water for all yeah. these sober people out there. <laughs> Just put it in a good cup. Sean, thanks for helping me procrastinate. <laughs> uh, I've welcome. never read anything about these perspectives of him, but then again, I never really looked for interviews with any of them. Anyway, good night. Any Jamie yeah. updates? I do not have one. Ange, do you have a Jamie update? I do not. In case you guys are watching and you don't know what Jamie is, that is another game game that we have <laughs> all been playing together to find a girl named Jamie who has been held captive by a serial killer. Yeah. So we have two murder games going on. We have yeah, cuz the last thing I got, I got that letter from them yeah. saying, "Hey, you've been selected to do a test run of something and that was last Friday." And I wasn't able to get in there and then I think uh Savannah went in their reserved room and I don't know if anybody was able to actually get in there and I do it. Know, yeah. So I'm guessing that was a test run of yeah. the next round the next that will round. happen. So um, but I haven't And I want to say the more. next round is like involves some like live video feeds from oh, shit. Yeah. So That'll be a fun thing that you guys can also experience with us. And if that's something that you want to join in on, pop into our DMs and let us know so that we can keep you 100% updated on that. Um, Hunter Killer episodes are up. And I believe some of the Hunter Killer um, information is on our Discord page. Um, Our Discord is right down below me right here. You guys know what to do. Follow us. Discord. Instagram. Facebook, 
Twitter. That's where I am. And I'll post updates on news stories and stuff. And don't really do that. Because she's no, not into not Twitter. Not even a little bit. She's not into the tweets. But Ange is really into the Facebook and the Instagram. And yeah. sometimes if you receive a comment back, it's probably not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably not for me. <laughs> not gonna lie. To you. <laughs> but if you tweet uh-huh. me news stories, I will 100% respond to those news stories that you tweet me. And the Discord is primarily me and Joey right now. I don't think, Ange, have you hopped in there at all? No. Okay. Well, it's primarily me and Joey right now on the Discord. So. Sorry, y'all. I got a lot of scripts for voice acting. I'm busy. Look, there's a lot going on. Ange and I are busy people. Um, but as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you know what to do. Just drop them in the comments. Slide into our DMs. If you have a friend that should be in on these conversations and seeing our upcoming stuff, please share our page with them. Let them know that you enjoyed tonight and that they need to come check out our next one. Right? That'd be great. Send us a friend. So we will... Um, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and thank you, Last Electric Rodeo. Hey, next Monday, I have to go record my vocals again because I recorded them in character voice and they want me to try another version with just my regular singing voice and then mix the two. So that's not bad. That's cool. But but I'm excited because I get to go back in the studio. Yes. So thank you to the Last Electric Rodeo for allowing us to use their song, Bronze Age of Horror, at the end of each one of our episodes. Please stay after we're done here. Check out that jam. And if you want to find more about them, go to lastelectricrodeo.com. Um, again you guys you know follow us on all our social media and we will be back next wednesday again we are taking a break this sunday so we will not have a story for you this sunday we'll be back next wednesday at 7 30 with our hunted killer box and then of course back i'm sorry 7 30 eastern standard time yes we've got some people who are not here in florida (laughs) don't be late um, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time and then we will be back again on Sunday Eastern Standard Time for our season our season three <laughs> oh my god our season three premiere on our spooky spots and haunted attractions and ghosty shit <laughs> um, first episode will be on the Cecil Hotel Y'all. so bring your spooky pants and maybe yes. your blanket if you're scared of ghosties. <laughs> yes. Ah. All right, friends, stay safe. Love Bye. one another. Be kind. Yes. Bye-bye. Peace out.
Cause such a Buffy was in a total bummer 